So we're in this series called God is a study of the attributes of God. And it's all about getting to know God better. You'll spend your lifetime and all of eternity getting to know God better. But instead of waiting for eternity, right, we get to embrace who he is and get to know him now. He's given us his word. He's given us the truths, the promises, the teachings of God's word. Jesus walked and talked and healed and did all that so we'd get to know who he is and how to respond to see how God would respond and then kind of bring our lives in alignment with how he does and did life while he was here. But this whole series is kind of captured in this book and obviously in the scriptures completely. But this book is full of the scriptures that we'll look at through this whole series. We're about halfway through now. If you don't have one of these, would you throw your hand up? Lovely, Tim. will <laughs> run down the aisle and throw one to you. So keep your hand up. Or if you want an extra, take it. They're free. Um, keep your hand all the way up so you can find them. And this week, we're talking about the attribute of God that he is holy. Actually, a few that he's holy and he's righteous and he's good. You know, the most expensive diamonds have many facets, right? And they're perfectly cut. And what do you call it? The, the gem? What do you call the guys who cuts those diamonds? Diamond cutters or gemists or something like that? Gemologist? I don't know. But they know what they're doing and they take this, this uh, stone, this diamond stone, and they start shaping it and cutting it in all these different facets, allow light to come into the stone, and that light refracts and bounces around and it becomes brilliant. It almost looks like it's on fire, right? When you think about God, you think about all the facets of his character and his nature, these attributes that we're studying. It's, it's like the most precious diamond that, you know, you'd want for someone that you, you love because it's so brilliant. It's beautiful to look at. Our God's so much more precious than a stone, than a precious stone. But we're looking at a couple more of the facets, a couple more of the, the sides of the diamond, perfectly cut because God is a perfect God. And you'll see the beauty and the brilliance of his character today. So we're looking at his holiness, his righteousness, and his goodness. And that's really the first thing is God is holy, righteous, and good. And there are a few verses I want you to read along with me here. Pull up in your Bible app or in your, your Bible and you see these verses in Revelation and then the Psalms. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. The Father's holy, the Son is holy, the Holy Spirit is holy. He's God and he's the Almighty. We studied this in our first week, who was and is to, and is to come and he's unchanging and he's holy, completely holy. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? You alone are holy. He's the only one who's perfectly holy. Good and upright is the Lord. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. So let's look at the word holy. It means to be worthy of worship, to consecrate or set apart. God is set apart from his creation. He's different than what he's created. He's above that, right? And he reigns and controls and sustains that. We looked at that a couple weeks ago. But he's worthy of our attention. He's worthy of our worship because he's perfectly holy. Beyond what our minds can grasp, whatever is filling your mind now, you can't even come close to exaggerating how holy he is even by what your, your brain is thinking right now. He's set apart, consecrated, different from anything in creation. There is no defilement, no evil, no darkness in him at all. He's free from all that because he's perfectly holy. In fact, holiness is the foundation for all the other attributes that we'll study. God is holy, holy, holy. And you get to know him personally. Because what Christ did on that cross gives you his holiness and righteousness for your unholiness. 
So we don't just have to think about this from afar. We don't just lift it up and, and are in awe, but we actually get to lift him up and in the same awe and respect and that trembling before such a holy God, he says we can draw near to him because Christ's holiness and his righteousness covers us. Not our own. We were distant and separated from God because of sin, but Jesus took care of the sin problem, right? Because you asked him to. That's what it means to be a believer. You ask him to forgive you and take care of the sin issue, the separation between you and God. And now you're in a relationship with this holy God. Instead of being fearful and never thinking you can come close, you're in awe and you draw close and he draws close and near to you. He's righteous. There's absolutely no wrong in God and there never will be. Perfectly righteous and just. He's the standard of what is right and wrong. He doesn't just define it. He is it. We look into the character of God and we look at his righteousness. We look at his justice in scripture. We see how he acted justly. And you go, now that is justice because that is God. And that is what Jesus did. And it is what he taught. And we can get taken up in the righteousness and the justice of God. And we can pray that our lives would do justice and do justly, even though we don't receive that oftentimes from the world, right? You ever feel like it's just not fair? Did you ever say that? This is not fair. <laughs> this world's not fair. You know, I'm being treated is not fair. That issue at work is not fair. Those people don't pay me. That's not fair. We can give justice. God always is just. And there'll be a day where he judges the world in righteousness and judgment. Completely just, completely right, without fault. He will bring his knowledge, complete knowledge. We studied that last week. He's all-knowing. All knowledge and all wisdom to bear on his final judgment in this world. But until that day comes, and we know we're on the right side of his judgment because Jesus took the judgment for our sin because we asked him to. People that don't ask him to, they have to stand before a holy God and answer for their sin without the covering of Christ, and it's not a good result for them. Scripture is really clear. Destruction and death awaits. But because of Christ, we're free from that fear and that worry. We can actually rest in his holiness, in his righteousness, and not fear his justice. And when we see his justice working out in this world, we can celebrate it. We can actually be a part of it. We can be hands of justice in situations where the world is being unjust. We can be just like our God as we look in his face and look at his justice and his righteousness, and we can actually be tools of the same thing in this world, agents of his justice and righteousness. He's holy. He's righteous. And he's good. All things that are a blessing to creation come from God. When he called this creation into existence, let there be light, he commanded it with his word, and it became in six days. And he looked at his creation and he said, It is good. It wasn't lacking, it was complete and complete in goodness. And you go out into creation and you can identify how good and powerful. This God is and how good his creation is. Man, we are on this boat going over to Catalina. I had to come back early to be with you guys. But when we went over on Friday, pretty bumpy ride, you know, because we were in a smaller boat. We had the whole boat to ourselves. It was pretty cool. And uh, on the way over, we saw a, I think it's called a pod, right? I get it right? Pod of dolphins. And they were exploding out of the water. It was like they were, they were trying to like jump to the skies. It was amazing. Just all over the place. We were in Hawaii and we were hoping to see that. We didn't. We're out to Catalina, right in our own backyard. And these dolphins were just jumping. It was the most beautiful thing. You just go, man, God, that's good. 
We look at our grandson, we just go like, your creation, God, is so good. You look at your spouse, you feel the love for them or love for your child or a good friend or your brothers and sisters in Christ. God, it's so good. Yeah, we mess things up and it's stained with sin, but we don't have to stay stained with sin. We can turn to Christ and be cleansed of sin. And we can be good because of what Christ did. His righteousness can become ours. We can celebrate his goodness. He's thoroughly good. He's the originator of good. He gives good things. In fact, all good gifts come from our Father in heaven, the Father of heavenly lights, as Scripture says. God alone is holy, righteous, and good, perfectly and all the time. And yet, you can know him personally. You can draw close to this God and not keep your distance. Your sin doesn't separate you anymore. Your bad day does not separate you anymore. The hurt you incurred from someone else, the hurt you, you inflicted on someone else because of your sin or selfishness or whatever, and me too, does not keep us separated from God or from his love. His love is complete. His goodness and righteousness and holiness is there for you to get to know and to embrace and to be encouraged by. It should comfort us, right? To know that God doesn't change. So instead of him having a bad day or struggling with sin or there may be something in him that's immoral one day or harsh or evil, you never have to worry about that with God. Sometimes we don't even appreciate how awesome that is. You never, ever have to worry about him changing. And he'll always be good. You're never always good, right? Your spouse is never always good. Hopefully we're all working at becoming good like our Heavenly Father's. He's always good. You can always get the same response from God because he's good, he's just, and he's holy. So you're struggling with sin. You go to him and you ask him for forgiveness. Seventy times seven, remember the disciples struggling with that? However often it is, you go and you can find his grace and forgiveness. And what that should do is motivate you to not want to keep having to go back to the Lord so much over the same issue. You're finally going to say, Lord, strengthen me so I can grow in this area and not feel like the enemy keeps gaining a victory. I confess it, but Lord, now strengthen me, right? He's good. We can draw close to him. He doesn't change. His forgiveness will always be there. His grace and mercy will always be there. He will act justly, righteously in every setting, every time, and out of his goodness will flow his treatment of us. That is comforting, yeah? That's huge. No one else can give you that, but God pours it out and offers it to us every day. He is holy, righteous, and good perfectly all the time. Secondly, God, God's holiness draws us to worship him. It actually draws us to want to come close and to lift him up. Look at this verse in Psalm 96 and then in Psalm 99 as well. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy mountain. For the Lord our God is holy. To worship means to ascribe value or worth to something. When you look at a painting, you, you're ascribing worth to the author or the artist behind that painting, right? You see, anything that's created and you, you want to worship or bring value or focus, you want to tell other people about it, you want to draw their attention to this amazing thing you think is so incredible, so beautiful, so worthy of attention, focus, and honor. It's, it's the best painting I've ever seen. It's the best the best car I've ever seen. Like, man, the craftsman, the engineering. And you just, I wonder who made this? Who, what kind of car is this? And you want to get behind who created it. 
Worship, though, should be reserved from our heart for only God. We can appreciate things in creation, other things that were created, but our worship is reserved for God. It's ascribing worth and value to who he is. He's no less holy because you may not ascribe it to him. But when you choose to ascribe it to him, then you draw close to his holiness, and his holiness becomes part and a desire of more and more who you are. Does that make sense? If you don't worship him, even the stones will cry out. Sometimes we're so reserved in our worship, and I don't just mean singing. I mean, like, we don't worship during the day. We get kind of just tunnel vision with expectations and demands and calls and emails and the energy to do your job and all that. We get tunnel vision. Do you realize that if you just busted out those blinders and say, I'm here representing God, I'm on that field, I'm in that classroom, I'm in that laboratory, I'm with those kids, whatever I'm doing, I'm folding laundry, I'm painting my house, I'm clearing a plumbing problem, I can do it to the glory of God if I remember he's with me. We had some technical difficulties this morning. We almost didn't have like scriptures on the screen and all that and you know, just to cry out to God, Jesus, help me to realize it. And we did that. You know, that Jesus is right with me right now. And he cares about a Sunday morning, but he cares about your Wednesday afternoon too. And he cares about that issue with your parent. He cares about that issue with your employer. He cares about your health issue. You can worship him by recognizing his presence as you're going through that and asking him for help or perspective or wisdom, whatever you need. He's a holy, righteous, and good God. He's ready and willing, and actually, he's so, so wanting to give you what you need from himself. He knows no lack. He can give and not be depleted. He's limitless. He's the God of the impossible. He wants to give you more wisdom. You just ask him for it. So instead of getting crazy in your own world, your own mind, and lacking wisdom, getting frustrated, and then taking that on someone else and being nasty, we take it to God and we recognize I can worship you in and through this job application or in and through this test, in and through this relationship that's not going well. Healing that I need in my body. I'm going to put you at the center, Lord. I'm going to ascribe value to you and your promises and your character. And your character is that you're with me and will never leave me or forsake me. Your character is that you'll see me through and through. That you created me in my mother's womb. You know me better than I know myself. You're with me. That's worship. Does that make sense? That's worshiping God through your day. It doesn't matter. I got a flat tire on the highway. So you're worshiping God through that on the highway. I, I didn't, but that's an example. Praise God, I didn't. But if I did, God's with me there. God's with me wherever I go. The trouble in my marriage, he's with me in that issue. Whether my spouse is on board or different, wherever, he's with me. And I pray he would be then with us and with our family. And you just invite his presence and his wisdom and his truth. Now you're worshiping him. And surely on a Sunday morning as we're, you know, as we're worshiping together, you just go, well, I thought worship was just worship singing. <laughs> That's part of it, right? But some, some of you really struggle feeling like you know how to really engage worship. You know, these guys are up here and it looks so natural for them. And they seem to be like just super well practiced. And they, they're really doing it out of love to lift our hearts to worship. But sometimes there's a block in our own spirit. We're not sure how to engage God and his character and his heart. Well, let me encourage you. It's not that hard. You have to take a step of faith and just say, you know what? I'm not going to think about what other, someone else may think. Like, well, why are you singing so loud? <laughs> do you think you, you're allowed to do that? 
calm down. <laughs> or, why are you raising your hands? Why, why do you need attention like that? We judge, we criticize, we're thinking what other people are doing in worship, it should be all about what God's doing where. So, if you don't feel free in your worship, or just some people just go, I don't really care about worship. You know, I kind of come late. That's kind of why I come late. I just don't really, you know, you know. Just realize there's something going on in your heart that's not fully worshipful. Just see that for what it is. Well, I never worship. My, my parents never worshiped. I'm really shy. Um, my elbows get locked and I can't do this. <laughs> okay. I, they just lock in place. It's arthritis. Okay, whatever. But you just, however you're free. If you're free, you know it. And if you're not free, you know it. And I'm not saying you should be a hand raiser. But I am saying you should bust out in praise because he's worthy, right? He's perfectly holy and righteous and good. And your God is beyond your wildest attempt to even exaggerate his goodness. If you can't get excited about God, something is wrong with you, not him. Oh, well, I won't do that. I'm, I'm the leader and provider of this home and I'm the husband. Then lead. <laughs> Show that you're excited more about that than football. And I love football. Then your work, then your new bike, then three birdies on the golf course, then whatever. Women may, women may have more, may more ease expressing and being emotional toward God. All I'm saying is, whatever that is for you, when you understand his holiness and his righteousness and his goodness, and you know he's given that to you in Christ and continues to pour it out, there should be some kind of response. It really doesn't make sense. And I'm not trying to, what's the word? I'm not trying to obligate you to anything in worship. I'm trying to invite you into freedom. I remember I was at a worship concert by Dennis Jernigan years ago. And uh, I remember in the worship time, and I was never, I didn't grow up with any kind of response in worship other than hymns. And that was cool. I liked the hymns. And I didn't understand there was more to worship. Some of you don't understand there's more. I didn't understand there was more until he said, you know, in this next song, if you want to lift your hands to God, go ahead and do that. He'll give you a hug. I remember doing that, and I became undone. Because I didn't get a lot of those growing up. And I didn't have a father that was expressive that way. My heavenly father wants to do that? I'll never forget that. And that has changed my heart in worship. And it's not just when I'm singing. So you see the difference? But it did happen while I was singing. And I hope it continues to grow as I'm singing. But I hope it continues to grow as I love Julie. And as I reach out to my kids and my grandkids and the next generation. And I hope my worship and the contagious spirit of the Holy Spirit of God that lives in me becomes more a center of worship. You are a center of worship. Your life and your heart is where the Holy Spirit resides. For how long? How long? Forever. He's not going to leave you. He promised the Holy Spirit was put in as a deposit guaranteeing what's to come. What's to come? Heaven and your full redemption one day when Christ comes back for us. And it may not be very long. You're a center of worship. Are you living that way? If people looked at you in a worship service, would they think you were really worshiping from here? Maybe it's what's in your face. Maybe it's that you sing more loudly. Maybe you get your hands up to here. That's cool. <laughs> I mean, just something that's expressing, God, you're amazing to me. Maybe you drop to your knees and you don't sing a word. But something changed in your heart. That's going to show up in your life. And it'll probably show up the next time you try to sing. And you're going like, man, I can't really get anything out but tears. Something's changing. You're worshiping from your heart. 
And that worship will change the way you ride your bikes with your buddies on the weekend. And it will change the way you are with people at work. Because worship's happening in the heart. You are created for worship. You've heard that quote by John Piper that says, God is most, I can find it on here, he's most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. Are you satisfied in God? He's most glorified in you when you just are most pumped up and excited about him. You're just worshiping him through who you are all the time. You're hitting the golf ball. You go, man, I actually hit it in the fairway. Thanks, God. <laughs> like invite him into all areas of your life because he's already there. Don't be like an atheist that just somehow forgets and ignores that God's actually with you all the time. And he's sovereign over all the details that you face and go through every day. What a glorious truth I just said, right? It's just biblical. Like, what a glorious reality. He's with me. When I stumble, he's still with me. In fact, thank you, Lord, that when I stumble, you're with me because you pick me up and you give me a hug and you go like, that'll keep hurting if you keep doing that. <laughs> that'll just keep hurting. Don't do that. <laughs> There's a better way. Choose this path. It's level ground. There's truth here. And you will find forgiveness and restoration for your soul. You will find rest in me. Peace will start to invade your heart. See, that's how God is. That's his character. He's not punitive. Some people grow up with really strange, twisted ideas of who God is, and it's not biblical. We're trying to get all of that twisted, um, unbiblical thoughts about God and just zero in on what is true as he's revealed it in his word. He's always gracious. He's always loving. He's always righteous. He's always going to be good. And he says he is so glorified in us when we are just totally satisfied in him. Let your worship start to define your life. Embrace the promises of his presence and his power as you go through your day. When you have opportunities to sing out or pray out or love out with someone in your life, do it and do it with gusto because God is with you and he backs you. He backs you as you do that. Don't withhold. Don't shrink back. Don't be nervous. Be like, okay, God, the joy of the Lord is my strength and express it. See how inviting that is? Kind of feels a little scary, like, oh, I'm kind of shy. I don't usually do that. Like, great, change. You get to be reshaped in Christ. Remember, all things pass away, new things come. Well, that's not my personality. It's the personality of Christ. And he'll invite you into it if you want it. Wow. Let his holiness draw you to worship and let it start to define you. You are a house of worship. He's come to live in you, and he wants to bring that worship about. It's kind of like being dry and thirsty and someone gives you a drink and then you keep drinking more and you, it's like when I eat Thai food sometimes. Man, I, give me a seventh glass of water and you can't get enough and you want more. Do you want more of him? If you don't, say, be honest. Say, I don't even know what I'm asking. I think I'm satisfied with less or where I'm at. Tell him that, but say, Lord, give me a hunger. Make me more thirsty. I want more. I think I need to want more. I'm just not sure I do want more. But show me yourself. Someone was saying that in our life group. They were so honest. Isn't that great when you hear someone like confess like that? Just like, well, yeah, I just got really dry in my time in the Word, and I just asked God to give me more of a hunger to want to stay at it because I want to be refreshed, and I, I know what I want. I don't always get there, but I ask God for help. Boy, that's the way we should live. Third thing then. And it builds. It's great how the Lord does this through his word. God calls us to press on toward personal holiness. We know we have it in him. We know our worship 
is appropriate because of his holiness, but then he says, no, I want that to be true of you. There are a couple verses here in Leviticus and in 1 Peter. For I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am holy. He's inviting us to just become like him. You shall be holy as I am holy. So Old Testament, New Testament, it's a theme that God wants to transform our lives and bring holiness where there was ugliness, to bring holiness where there was, there was impurity, to literally transform and shape us and reshape us every day if we desire that. And it's a fun, glorious process. He, go, he says we go from glory to glory to glory to more glory, more of his holiness as we walk. The Apostle Paul talked about this in 2 Corinthians we should strive for it, consecrate, dedicate, decide, commit, set aside. That's what consecrate means. And he talks about that in 2 Corinthians 2. 2 Corinthians 7, 1. Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. That fear is the awe. And we are in awe of God and his qualities and his righteousness and holiness and goodness. And we're in awe of that then we kind of see ourselves more accurately to see the difference between God and us. And we go like, oh, I got some work to do. You should feel loved by God when he just points out where there's work to do. That just shows you have an active, real relationship with God. And when you don't want to hide anymore from that, and you just go, okay, uh, impatience. Work on that, impatience. Okay, Lord, help me with it. Cleanse yourself from every defilement, everything that's impure and not of God. Bring holiness to completion in me. Ephesians 4, 24. Put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. That's who God is. We can put off the old and put on the new. We become more like Christ. That's a daily thing. And there's a great verse that talks about what that looks like. And so there's a, a graphic I want to show you that has the works of the flesh on one side and the fruit of the spirit on the other side. And we see this in Galatians. I'm going to read the verse, but you'll see the words on the screen. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgy, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there's no law. That's the stuff that Jesus went to the cross for that was in you and me. Now, some of you go, well, I don't have all 15 of those. Yeah, but you have seven down really good. <laughs> or you really had seven troubling and tripping you up. But you took your sin. You acknowledged. You're like, yeah, it was like that. I'm jealous. I was unforgiving. I was in essential, there's impurity in my life, and I was, yeah, I was, yeah, it was just nasty and dark and ugly. It was sin. It was just wrong. It was not God, not of God. And Christ came to a cross one day and finished the work of your forgiveness by taking all that junk and wiping you clean, cleansing you from that sin, right? And then he calls you to this side. Don't live there. You can't inherit the kingdom of God if you live there. But if you're forgiven of that, and then you live here, the Spirit of God's going to bring about the changes. The Spirit of God will bring about that fruit that you see listed there. How many of you want to live over here? <laughs> right? That's us. That's what it means to be a believer. You desire this. You want this. If you're over here and you're not sure, well, 
You haven't embraced Christ yet, but you can embrace Christ. He changes your heart, gives you a new heart. And you'll want to put off that old and put on the new. That's what it means to follow Christ. We keep putting off. We know we're not condemned. We know we're not shame and guilt anymore. That's of the old life. We're forgiven. We have a new heart. We have the power of the Holy Spirit living in us. We can live as God wants. He's bringing about his holiness. The completion of holiness is happening in you and me as we walk with him. That should bring joy to your life. It is happening. God has not given up on you. He's not frustrated with you. He's not disappointed with you. He's just trying to point out where there are things that are hurting you. That's the right way to frame it. That jealousy is actually hurting you. I'm not trying to condemn you, push you down, make you feel bad, and move you away from me like he's shoving a boat off from the dock. No, he's drawing you, and the Holy Spirit just puts a light on that area, and you go, that's darkness. Now I see it for what it is. I'm sorry, Lord, forgive me. And then we start pursuing things of his spirit. Is that an easy journey? No way. That's the hardest journey you'll ever be on. It's the most glorious journey. You'll actually see your life change if you embrace Christ on this journey. But it is a battle. The Apostle Paul reminds us of that. Romans 7, 15, and then verse 21 says, For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want to do, but I do the very thing I hate. <laughs> Can you relate? That was a rhyme, but I didn't... I don't know, it's okay. Verse 21, so I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. It's right there. I'm so ready to obey God and evil's right there and I want to choose it and I don't and I choose evil. Oh, <laughs> that's what I'm picturing Paul going through, okay? For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. In your flesh, you're selfish, you're jealous, you can be angry, you can be competitive and not care about another person. You cannot forgive, you cannot be patient. You, you're, you're not the gentle and loving and self-controlled person. You're the opposite in your flesh. You don't have to live there. You can choose to ask God to change your heart and give you strength to have self-control and to be gentle where you usually live in anger. You can delight in the law of God in your inner being. And you can realize that there's a battle going on because Satan, the world, your own flesh will try to tear you away from the truths and the promises of God. You do have an enemy. You know that, right? The world does not want you to live for God. They want you to spend their money and pursue their ends so that they can achieve what they want. You're really just a pawn in a world system. If you really want to be honest about it. Marketing, you're just a pawn. They're just trying to get your money, promise you things that they can't fulfill. That is kind of... It's, it's about money, it's about pride, it's about prestige, it's about all that, that stuff. When it's of God, those things maybe you might purchase something and it can be a blessing of God, but you've got to recognize that we have an enemy that tempts people in the world to do things that draw men's heart, hearts away from God and being dependent on God. You see that, right? Your workplace, you see that in the media? The entertainment industry and all that. You've got to be very discerning and very careful. The enemy wants to use those things against you to draw you away from God. You just need to see it as a battle and say, the power of the Holy Spirit who lives in me, he who lives in me is greater than he who lives in the world. The enemy, or what the enemy does to control and pull people away from God, or actually to try to get to me. That's why we lock arms with one another in Christ. We come together like this. 
We come together in a life group. We encourage one another to stay at the fight, to not put the armor down and walk away and do it in our own strength. We keep the armor on. We stand firm. We resist the enemy, and he must flee from us. And we get back to worshiping God and saying, the new self, Lord, the new self, the fruit of the Spirit is what I want. Sorry I got trapped in this. Sorry I battled so long in my own strength. It's about your strength. And we are like Paul. He continues. Well, one other verse in Romans 8, 28, he reminds us it's not our strength. It's the Holy Spirit. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weak weakness. Does anyone need to tell you what your weaknesses are? Or do you got them down? <laughs> That's where God wants to make himself strong, where you're most weak. Just tell him, that's where I'm really weak. Don't pretend about it. Don't hide it. Don't, oh, no, it's not that bad. I'm no more bad as some people. Yeah, you're horrible in that area, and so am I. Yeah, we're not doing well there. We're really not just a little selfish. We're very selfish. It goes really deep. Right there, all the way to the bottom. Lord, rip that root out. I don't want that. To, I don't want to cut it off with a weed eater at the surface. It's going to keep growing back. It's going to hurt, but go deep. That's from my past, and that's from that ugly situation, and that's from that one thing that happened, and it's so rooted in my heart. God, pull it out lovingly, Lord. Just dig the soil loosely so you can pull it out more easily, but Lord, I, I don't need that anymore. It's defining me. It's hurting me. It's keeping me from you. It's keeping me from opening my heart to others. The Lord, through his Holy Spirit who lives in you, wants to strengthen you in those areas of weakness and make them now strong. And this will be our last verse. You know, Paul in Philippians 3 had this kind of focus. Because remember, he's the one that said, man, I want to do what's right, fruit of the Spirit. I get drawn by my flesh into things that aren't of God and try to do the sins right there. Though, man, just kick it out. It's right there. It's like, oh, it's hard. This was his focus in Philippians 3.12. Now that I have, not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I don't consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, you can probably say this from heart, right? From your heart, guys. One thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining toward what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The upward call is the holiness of Christ. As he's holy, we're called to holiness we can achieve that through the one who strengthens us in our areas of weakness. And we forget what's behind. We don't dwell on the past. We don't think about the mistakes of yesterday. We think about the goal of today and its holiness and drawing close to God and marching forward with him. Amen? And there's strength there. There's hope there. Your sins of the past, they're taken care of. They're forgiven. Don't let Satan bring that stuff back up. You go, hey, hello, yesterday. <laughs> So old news, that was one minute ago. Remember, I confessed it to God. Good try. You take the thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. I'm forgiven. I already took care of that. Good try, Satan. Actually, thanks for the reminder that I'm forgiven. Thank you. Throw it back on him, okay? You're in a battle. I'm in a battle. Let's have fun with it. Let's have some victory. Let's march forward and see new things come about. Let's see the fruit of the Spirit start defining us. I want to be more gentle, God. Help me out. And you'll see him help you out. And he'll strengthen you where you're weak. And you don't have to worry about the past. You keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. 
You let worship erupt in your heart as you see him change you and give you even a desire to change. You behold Jesus and what you behold you will become. If you focus on the world or your sin or your mistakes, you'll become more of that. If you behold your king and keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, the one who started your faith, the author, the one who will perfect it, grow you, make you holy as he's holy, you're going to be excited about God. People you know, will not be able to contain your joy. You'll have so much to say and so much to be for God that you're not yet, but will come about more and more every day. That's the joy of walking with Jesus. It's him in you. Your strength is him. And then this prayer can come about. It can be a reality. Paul says this prayer in 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. He will surely do it in you and in me as we co-labor in the power of the Holy Spirit. He's going to answer that prayer of the Apostle Paul for all those that would follow Christ. He will sanctify us completely in spirit, soul, and body, kept blameless until the day of Christ. We are underneath the banner of his holiness, righteousness, and goodness. You are holy, righteous, and good in Christ. Now, practically... Still work to do. You see the difference? Still work to do in the daily, living it out. But because the Father looks to us and at us through the sacrifice of his Son that took the punishment for the junk, the sin, we're holy and righteous and good. Now practically, may our lives reflect it in our choices, in our relationships, in our worship. I think it's time to pray, right? Pour our heart out. Let God know how we feel about how much he loves us and what he's given us in this great relationship with him. So we're going to do that by having the worship team. They're going to come up and lead us in a couple songs. Pour your heart out. Worship him from your guts. Don't hold back. If there's something you need to confess that's the ugly side of what it's like to live in your flesh sometimes, confess it. Be forgiven that easily. Confess it. Be forgiven. Be strengthened. Ask him to strengthen you as you move forward in that area. His power and your weakness Pour out your worship, love an offering. Pour out your heart in that offering. And then we have our prayer team too. So if you need to lift up any burden for yourself or anyone else, our prayer team would love to pray for you. All those things. And actually, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And if you don't know Christ, then this prayer is especially for you. So pray along with me if this is your desire to become a child of God. Father in heaven, I cry out to you as someone caught in sin, someone who needs forgiveness, Someone who wants Jesus to be my Savior and Lord. If that's you, just tell him that. Lord, forgive me. Come into my life and cleanse me of all unrighteousness and sin that's kept me from you, God, because you're holy and righteous and you've judged, you judged that sin, but you actually put it on your son. So Jesus, I accept that forgiveness this moment as I'm praying to you and I want to be a child of God. Thank you that you invite me into your family. And now I'm not defined by my sin or separated from you. I can draw close to you through your son. Thank you, Lord. If you prayed that prayer, let me know. Let someone, one of the prayer team members know that so we can help you in your new walk with God. And Lord, for everyone here who's already been walking with you, may our best days of walking you be right ahead, like today, this week, God, that we just embrace you and these truths we've heard today and live them. 
for your glory. Receive our worship now, Lord. It comes from our heart. 